But right now, his scripture reading is found in Matthew chapter 16. If you want to turn there with me, it's two verses. Um, I've been reading out of a New King James Version. At this church, we like to stand for the reading of God's word because we feel it's that important. So chapter 16 is Jesus' word speaking here in verse 2 and 3. He answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites! You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. I pray that is not anybody here. All right, I'm going to have a word of prayer. Um, and hopefully our technology will work out for us this morning. So if you bow your heads with me. Lord, we thank you for the Sabbath. Such an exciting moment in our week where new revelations can be brought from your word. Things new and old, some forgotten, some not learned. And we can receive spiritual riches Jesus, we thank you for the privilege to have the Bible. We thank you that we're in America. We thank you for the freedoms we have. And we pray that you would help us, that we might find you to be the solid rock. And that we would lay our anchor into that rock. So this morning I pray that you would forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us and help us, for we are all so mortal, so feeble, and you are the only one who can help us. Please give us grace and peace, and give us eyes and ears to hear, in Jesus' name, amen. It's going to be hard to compete with the... uh, the little one, Jason's making, he was making a lot of noise, wasn't he? And if that wasn't enough, we've got the smell of, I think that's our enchilada dish that we brought. I don't know if you're picking up on it, but it must be where I'm at. It's coming upstairs. Is that, is that strategic to help me speed up? Come on. There's a hot meal waiting downstairs. It's wonderful to fellowship together and to break bread together as a people and hopefully be able to uh, have rapport and uh, trust and converse and get to know other people, other human beings and children of God. And uh, Michelle, your friend's name again? Her name is Sister Carrie Wilson. Carrie, we appreciate that special music. Thank you. It's very appropriate given the sermon's title. And uh, we're going to learn a bit. Now, there is more than three ways to preach this sermon. I was telling Frank that I've got more than one sermon in a series. There's several parts to this thing that can be done. You can preach this sermon with your eyes closed, perhaps, or you could preach this sermon um, in the open air. You could, you know, that wasn't exactly what I meant. What I meant is there's, a, there's, actually, a, there's actually a good bit of material here, and I hope that you're able to discover that the Bible is actually deeper than you first think. And that you're actually probably missing a lot of what it has to offer. Um, 
How many of you uh, heard recently about uh, Tesla's release of a um, humanoid robot that took place uh, September 30th around there? I actually like technology a lot. Um, the, uh, the robot is kind of human looking in some ways. And um, the, uh, the system they're using is artificial intelligence that was designed for their vehicle to help it move and interact in a 3D environment. And um, it's quite interesting because uh, we just read this passage. Jesus says, look, you can look at the sky and you can tell that in the evening it's not so bad if the sky is red at sunset, right? But if you wake up in the morning and the sun is risen and it continues to hold a red color in the sky, that's uh, kind of ominous that a substantial storm front is coming to your front door, all right? And um, we have several challenges, even if you don't believe in God or religion, facing the existence of this world. And one of them is the issues with the environment changing and what kind of stress that can put on different populations, um, creating, as Jesus warns, famines, pestilences, we got that with COVID, right? And earthquakes in various places. And um, we have such dense population centers. If you have a substantial drought, thankfully we're not on the West Coast right now, right? Lake Mead is getting dry. If you have a substantial drought, you will have lawlessness and chaos. And uh, our our uh, interaction with our environment is getting, uh, it's getting quite complex. Things are straining. I know Sister mentioned the, the price of things going up. Yeah, price is going up, huh? And uh, so there's a lot of things that I think if Jesus was here today, he would say, if you aren't plugged into the moment that we're in, you're kind of foolish because you see that the sky is telling you something and that there's going to be a terrible storm, why can't you see the signs of the times? Does that make sense? Do you understand that? And we see it in the, the, uh, some of the things that are taking place in the public school systems, right? I mean, the fruit is ripe. <laughs> and uh, in Revelation 14, there's a harvest of wheat that is harvest the righteous, but you know there's harvest. There's also the harvest of the grapes of wrath, right? The wicked are going to be ripe and ready for judgment. You can read about that um, in the Bible. Amen? So this thing, the reason why I mentioned the AI thing, part of it is I know, the, I know some of the younger, maybe the guys, because guys tend to be more into things than being into people, but um, they've got an issue with artificial intelligence, and I'm not real well-versed in it, but my understanding is, is it's referred to as the alignment problem. And the problem is, is these computers can process incredible amounts of information, more than we can in a specific area. They can't multitask in a variety of ways like we do. They dial in on one thing. And the problem is, if you ask, say, the system you created to make the air clean outside, it might take that command and say, well, the easiest way to clean the air outside is to get rid of the people. 
And you can quickly see how artificial intelligence can literally have an alignment problem with human values and human beings. And if you have it set loose, you might have an intention like cleaning up all the plastic products on the earth or one thing or another. And if it gets kind of out of the bag and it has its command and its mission and it has access to um, several resources and networking, you can have it uh, take care of pollution or take care of water quality. <laughs> It'll get rid of some of the things driving the problem, right? So um, there's a lot of things, and, and you, can, you can find this on the Internet that some of the folks that are trying to design artificial intelligence are actually kind of paranoid because they don't know who's going to get there first with the technology and what they're going to do with it. Um, you, you recognize how you're smarter than some of the things in your environment and you can actually detain animals in certain ways and you can control them in certain ways. Um, the idea is, is that you can have intelligence that's way, way, way more informed than you or I. And um, they can tell, like for instance, facial recognition, they can know like when you're lying, what your emotional state is by your body language. Different things that you don't even get to, I don't even get to enjoy. It gives you a, a leg up on human beings. So there's anxiety uh, in that area. There's anxiety with nuclear, right? So there's nuclear weapons. We currently have a war going on, right? And depending on how people's egos get offended and how other leaders in other countries feel, there can be nuclear warfare. So we have signs in the times that should tell us that things are not slowing down or getting more peaceful. They are getting more hazardous. Things are getting a little bit more delicate. But we do not need to fear. Amen? Amen. And um, the Bible actually says that people's hearts will actually fail them for fear, seeing the things that are coming upon this world. Because all the professors and educated elites, they don't really entirely know what they're doing, nor do they know what the answer is. Okay? And that's where getting back to religion really does matter. Of course, getting back to the right religion. Amen? Amen. Um, I'm hoping this is going to work out. He, he turned my phone into the clicker. So, oh, whoa, we got some audio to go with it. So this series is Anchor of the Soul. I was presenting this, hopefully, to put on YouTube at some point. So um, I'm actually kind of surprised there's audio playing. Um, natural disasters are obviously kind of a regular thing. Um, there's a question as to whether they're getting worse and worse with the passing of time. but Again, what you and I need to realize is that many of the things that are outside of us that threaten us are not really the danger. Okay? The danger is spiritual. Amen. It's spiritual. It always has been spiritual. Okay? So, though media likes to uh, make money off of fear, okay, and though some fears are actual, okay, 
the biggest risk and hazard for your children and for me and for the church and for the community are those that are spiritual hazards, okay? And they're much bigger storms than Ian or um, when I was growing up, it was Hurricane Hugo. Um, the consequences are serious um, in the literal sense with hurricanes, storms that come at us, but the consequences are just as serious, even more serious spiritually, okay? Just as you see this neighborhood, this is actually a well-to-do neighborhood, it is completely trashed by a storm, okay? We have a temple. It's our body, right? If we don't spiritually guard our minds and our bodies, they can be wrecked just as quickly as this Florida mansions and neighborhoods. Um, we have to be wise. And the New Testament is filled with allusions to those traveling by sea. Does anyone know why? The reason is, is because most of the New Testament was written by one apostle. His name, Paul. And Paul was actually having to appear before the courtroom of Caesar. And he had to travel by sea. And at several times uh, during his travels, there was dangers. They even wrecked uh, at one point. That's in the book of Acts. So um, there are a lot of allusions to sea in seafaring communities. Um, Jesus himself lived near what sea? Does anyone know? Sea of Galilee. That's right. And it was a fisherman's community. In fact, what were the disciples? Yeah, all right. So you should brace yourself in anticipation that as you're reading your New Testament and you're reading your gospel, that there's going to be allusions to the life of a fisherman and the life of those being in boats or vessels or on the sea. And Frank already read our verse, um, what is Jesus like in the sign of poor weather to? And we talked about that. We talked about uh, the verse and the reference being to the signs of the times. We're smart about bad weather. Are we paying attention to the signs of the times? And hopefully this message will help you dial in on that. So, uh, we're definitely in the end times. Uh, Jesus says we should be wise about that. Now, Jesus has a brother. His brother's named James. He also grew up near the Sea of Galilee. Okay? And what does James say? What does James warn us will toss us like waves of the sea? And I just want to point this out to you, okay? Because this is um, a very real issue. You see this in people's lives, spiritually speaking, okay? We'll go to James chapter 1 and make sure this gets loaded here. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all freely without reproach. It will be given to him. But let him ask of faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. And you can't believe how many people are unsure. I can't. I'm amazed at how many people don't have religion in their life because they doubt the existence of God. I am totally floored and totally shocked for several reasons. One is, in essence, we all realize that there's a God. Amen. How do I know that? Well, when 9-11 happened, where did everybody run? 
They ran to the churches. When someone dies in their prime, unexpectedly, colleges will have vigils. They'll have chapels fill up. Why? Because you realize that you're not God. And your life is very frail. And that you want to pray, God help me, right? That's how it was. I always tell this when my dad, my dad hasn't flown a lot. But he flew, he flew, he was flying somewhere, and the woman next to him, they had turbulence in the plane, okay? And the woman turned to him and said, can I hold your hand? And he said, sure, you can hold my hand. And she held his hand until they got through the turbulence or till the plane landed, and she said, thank you. And you besides how many people talk about Jesus and talk about God when things are starting to unravel, Right? And so, inherently, we all confess that there's a God. Amen. We don't like to admit it. In fact, the Bible says that we actually suppress that truth in unrighteousness. That's what the book of Romans says. We actually push it down. Some of us think we're going we're gonna to pull it over on God, right? Amen. We're going to do what we're going to do, and then we'll, we'll, we'll hey, hey, how you doing, God? How you, yeah, yeah, we're good. Like, it's cool. And then, you know into the kingdom and all this stuff, but God is not fooled. So doubt is a very real issue, and as you saw in the picture, the guy's on the boat, and what's happening? He's going to and fro. He's about to fall off the boat. And how many people fall off the boat? Because they aren't grounded in the fact that God is real, and that God exists. And one of the reasons we don't have strong faith in the existence of God is because we don't remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Because the Sabbath is a memorial that all creation testifies to what? A creator. This is, this is actually not complicated, okay? <laughs> you can, hey, listen, I want to put it this way. When you have prayer tonight, you can actually talk to a person. And he's more real than the house that you're inside of or the ground that your knees are pressed against. He is more real than we realize. <laughs> so God is real, and that's an important thing. It tosses a lot of people off of their course. Doubts can ruin a person's soul. We're trying to get to the kingdom, right? We're trying to sail to our home. Question three, if doubts do not toss us overboard, what else can carry us away? The book of Ephesians mentions this. You know, there is a lot of strange forms of worship nowadays. There's a lot of things that are coming in. It's got Jesus for the lyrics. It's got Jesus for the product. But I want to tell you, even folks who aren't really going to church a lot can tell you that doesn't look like church or it doesn't look like Jesus that looks like just a secular concert or some other maybe even I don't know like a nightclub right okay and what we're going to learn is that false teachings are definitely a threat to us now as Seventh-day Adventists we're part of Protestantism you guys know what Protestantism is right we actually protest against what happened in the old world during the medieval time period where one church 
was directly connected with all the countries and dictated the terms of religion, okay? And that system was strongly resisted in the New World here in America. For a very long time, it was strongly resisted. But as Protestants have become more wealthy, because America is largely a story of success and wealth, because we've got freedom, amen? And freedom allows for creation, and creation allows for novelty and new ideas, and progress, and wealth, and success. And as we became materially rich, we looked at God and we said, hey, I'm rich and have need of nothing, okay? And so we only come to God when, you know, the doctor comes in with his apron, right? And gives us the news about some doom or something. But this system that we escaped from, okay, is getting more and more influence, all right? Protestantism isn't even the word anymore. You know what Christianity is referred to largely as? Evangelicalism. That's not Protestantism. Because evangelicalism, you can be an evangelical Catholic, you can be an evangelical Lutheran, you can be an evangelical Methodist, and all it basically means is kind of like, let's be one group, okay? And that dividing line has been totally forgotten by many today. And I can, I can, I can actually sympathize a little bit, because frankly, most people don't know anything about their roots, right? Much, much less people don't know anything about their spiritual roots. They don't. And so uh, it's no surprise that we get where we're at. Ephesians says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors, and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. And I could spend some time there. You know, your whole purpose in your existence as a Christian is to do work. Amen. Okay? When Adam and Eve were planted in the garden, you know what God gave them to do? Work. Amen? In fact, some of the most depressed people and delusional and, and, and not delusional, but some of the most depressed people don't have a job. And when you don't have a job, you don't have the reason to wake up at certain times and your circadian rhythm is all excited because you're going to bed at whatever hour and you're waking up at whatever hour and it affects your moods and it makes you depressed. One of the best things you can have is to have work. Amen? Amen. Give children chores to do. Train them how to do those chores. Listen, I can't wait. I, I got six children. And there's times I'm in my house and I think to myself, now I shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> I've got six children. They're an able body, able mind. What am I doing? I'm hurting them. Having them learn. How to iron. And everybody's thinking that man's putting his smallest child on the ironing board. They always, you know, it's terrible, isn't it? Society has got us so mixed up. You know, if you said, if you say anything that's old fashioned, they paint it in the worst hue. And it's like, it ain't, it really isn't that complicated. <laughs> But your children need work. Adults need work. Beware of idleness. Listen, she sang it in the song. Be not idle. And I want to tell you, the whole point of pastors, elders, apostles, and teachers is to help you understand how to 
live your religion so that you can reap the harvest that's around us. There's a dying and confused world around us, all around us. In fact, some of them are in here. Let's be honest, right? We need to be praying for one another, amen? Some of us aren't wired right, all right? And it's only through prayer and a good Christian witness that our fellow brethren can get back on the right wavelengths. Because the church... Let's just talk about the world. We won't talk about the church, all right? But the whole point is you need to be employed spiritually. And, it, and you know, you should, it should be in the things that you enjoy. It should actually kind of come from inside out of you. Um, he goes, children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of what? Doctrine. Wind of doctrine, that's right. By the trickery of what? Man. Trickery of men. And the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. That's exactly from Daniel's prophecies of the Antichrist. He's very crafty. And he uses false doctrine. Um, and you can read that in Daniel 11 and Daniel 7 and 8. Winds of doctrine. Okay, If it's not just doubting God in general, it's having the wrong teachings. Wow. I want to tell you, if you've got the wrong teachings, you're probably on the wrong train or the wrong bus or the wrong airplane heading in the wrong direction. Probably with the wrong bus driver Amen. or pilot. Some of these pilots ain't good anymore, you know. I heard a story not long ago. They overshot their destination by two hours. Both of them were asleep. And they had to turn their plane around. I don't know if they lost their credentials for that one. I, I kind of hope anymore, right? Because you got to catch the next flight. And if you're two hours shot, you're two hours back. That's four hours out of, you know, out of sync. So I'm sure, those, I'm sure when they got off that plane, those people were not happy with those pilots, right? How would you feel? They probably hid in the cockpit, right? Shut the door. Flight attendants out there are all nervous. It's terrible. Winds of doctrine. Winds of doctrine. You need to have yourself grounded on truth. Amen? Amen. And not some trendy, charismatic TV preacher thing, right? You need to have yourself know the truth. And uh, that takes growing up and being put to work, too. You notice the people who get caught up in false teaching is because they haven't had the pastor, the evangelist, the teachers or the preachers put them into work. Because when you don't have Christian work to do in the community, reaching the community, you get into all kinds of squirrely ideas. You will. You need, to be, you, need to be, you need to be aiming and you need to have an aim and you need to be focused on that. Look at this. This is terrible. Where do these winds of false doctrine originate from? This is in the Bible. And again, this is all Paul. Paul is making these, he's making these references to traveling on a boat in the ocean, probably the Mediterranean. They called it the Great Sea back then. Because, you know, their map of the world back then, it was just, it was just uh, Portugal, Spain, Italy, Greece, basically anything that lined the Mediterranean. They did not have the Atlantic Ocean on their maps. I mean, everything was so much more miniature, you know? And, uh, but it was called the Great Sea. Right? That, that, 
So when you, when you went on the Great Sea, and, and the Mediterranean is not small, right? It's not a small body of water. And if, have anyone been into the, uh, the, uh, the deep out far off the coast on the ocean? I've gone deep sea fishing. And I want to tell you, the waves are big when there isn't a storm. They're huge waves. That's why people have to take, what's that drug you use to keep you from being nauseous? Dramedy or something like that? Yeah, and, every, and you, never, you try to stay on the outside of the, the cabin space because everyone's in there. You know, the folks that are on the inside of the ship aren't doing too hot. But, and you can, yeah, you can go on YouTube and see these things, but, you know, you, you know, watching a video of a storm on the ocean is not the same as being in a vessel in the middle of the ocean when the waves come at you like tall buildings. Um, the reason Paul mentions this, the Mediterranean, when, the, when there's a storm on the Mediterranean, you can be sure that there's some, some mighty waves happening because it's a large body of water. Um, but this is where Paul's getting a lot of this imagery from. He's getting it from his real-life experience at sea. Now, picture up there of Pope Benedict, okay? Understand that Catholics are wonderful people. Many of them are wonderful people. Many of them have more religion than most Protestants do. They have more devotion. Okay? All right? And be sure that there are going to be lots of Catholics in the kingdom. Why? Because the truth they had was the truth they followed, and they did not return evil for evil. There's going to be some of them. I know that because some of the greatest Protestants were former Catholic monks, right? Luther, right? This is the month in which Luther nailed his protest onto the church board. Uh, Someone came to town. You know what they were selling? Indulgences, which is basically forgiveness. And the guy said to the people, These indulgences are so good and potent and true that you could have done all kinds of evil to marry the mother of Jesus and you would be forgiven with this certified indulgence. Can you imagine if we came to town and I had paper? If you came here to church one day and I said, listen, who's in town? We've got someone from out of town and he's got these papers with an official seal And it says that you can get forgiveness by paying a certain sum. You can free your aunt, uncle, mom, grandma from purgatory in the flame by paying for this. This goes back to our spiritual roots. And we don't know about this stuff, but this is what was perpetrated on people. People like you and me. They didn't know. And so what do we find here? We're going to find something. There's, you're going to see why I have a picture of a nun up here. You're going to find the Bible predicts what would happen to Christianity. It says the Spirit expressly says in latter times, some will depart from the what? From the faith, giving heed to deceiving what? And doctrines of who? Yes, all right. Are demons your friends? No. No, they're not, okay? lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to what? Okay, when you go into a monastery, 
are you going there to find <laughs> that soulmate? No. In fact, very often when you enter the monasteries, and listen, they had them in England, in France, in Germany. They had monastic... You'd be amazing how many people went into the monastic life during the medieval time periods. And there's some even today. Now, there's not as many. I work in Chicopee. We've got, we got a couple of places where the sisters have their place of residence or whatever. Um, so it's kind of declined in some ways. But um, <laughs> when you go into a monastery, whether you're a man or a woman, you generally take a vow of what? Celibacy. Celibacy and then there's another one. A vow of poverty, okay? And that's not really what we're called to do. We're called to not be controlled by material wealth and not be controlled by our lusts. But material wealth can be a blessing if it's used right. And I don't want to use the word lust, but intimacy within the human experience, which was created by God. Remember, he looked at Adam, and what did he say to Adam? It's not good that man should be alone. Yeah, absolutely. Amen? So, look what the Spirit says. Paul calls it from long distance. He calls it, and, he, and they anticipate and see this, that they would forbid to marry and command to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanks. When you were in a monastery, did you have a buffet? You had bread, and what do they have on tap? Bread and water. It's a form, it's, I don't, I'm not going to say the word right. It's asceticism? I, I forget the word. It's basically, you're trying to deny every and anything that your body would enjoy. And that is part of doctrines of devils. And there's problems here. We're going to learn about this. And listen, what, isn't it terrible to be told that you need to live a life of strict, unhappy existence? That is terrible. Amen? Listen, how many of you need to reform your lifestyles in the area of maybe like diet? Just raise your hand. I could use a little reform in my diet. Does God want us to eat plain oatmeal without any salt or any sweetener? Does, 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 does God want to take the joy out of living? No way. In fact, if you get yourself on the right track, you'll find that you enjoy your diet. And your diet will enjoy you. And you'll be healthy again. Amen? Well, I want to tell you, it might take some effort to start, right? Because our tongue and our taste buds have gotten hooked on some strange things, okay? So you, ne you need to fast and pray, amen? Some of the disciples couldn't get a demon out of a man, and Jesus walked upon the scene, and he said, oh, you guys are such a faithless generation. And he cast the demon out of the man, and the disciples stood there with their mouth open, and they said, we tried, Lord, but it didn't work. And Jesus said, don't you know this kind of stuff doesn't come out of here without fasting and prayer? Okay? And that's not just situational. That was that Jesus, at times, would actually step away and fast from different things. 
so that he could have time to pray. Amen? How long does it take to make a meal and clean up after it? Think of all that prayer time you could have, right? Now, Jesus didn't fast every day, and Jesus, Jesus enjoyed life, amen? amen? In fact, they came to him one time, and they said, John the Baptist, his disciples uh, didn't eat or do anything or have any good time. You're going around, and he says, well, they call me a drunk and a glutton because I enjoy the gift of food and, 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 and drinking, well, he wasn't drinking wine, okay? Drinking grape juice, reconstituted, probably. So... This business is a lie. And don't ever, don't ever let anyone insinuate that Christianity is dull and very strict and unhappy. It's the best thing on the store shelf. Okay? It's the best thing in the market. And you've got to get plugged into it. But demons are behind these winds that are trying to throw us offshore. And this is really, I'm not, I don't want to knock too hard. Okay, this is, has more to do with the hierarchy of this particular system that is actually getting, Protestantism is actually getting more integrated and having more fraternal relationships with this system. Do you understand? So lines are dropping, walls are dropping that should have been reinforced and saying, listen, unless you want to come this way, we're not going to go that way. We're not going to go that way. You come this way, but instead there's more and more uh, ecumenism. This is really, this is St. Peter's, okay? <laughs> this is St. Peter's, and I believe it was Luther. You know what Luther said about St. Peter's? You know how they built this? This is a huge cathedral. This is a huge cathedral. You know where they got the money? From indulgences. Selling, selling forgiveness is how they built that. And the, the Pope, all right, listen, again, I'm not trying to knock one group here, all right? In some ways, we're our, we, each of us are little popes, right? We get defiant with God, right? right? We tell God what we want, right? We think we're God, right? We sit in the temple of God thinking that we are God, and that ain't, that ain't right either, okay? But I want to tell you, if you want to learn, again, this goes back to just history and education, Read, go on to Amazon. I believe there's a book called The Sins of the Popes. And you won't believe the scandal that was perpetrated for year after year. We're talking about hundreds, hundreds of years where these people had unreal wealth, unreal power, and they were unreal corrupt. Unreal corrupt. Having children in every direction with everybody putting people to death. It's like, uh, what's the, Kim Kardashian, all these types of big movers and all the glamour and all the fame and all this stuff. So this is really the game. Right, this is what I was going to get back to. Luther said, if there's a hell, Rome is built over it. That's what Luther said. Just a little history. You know why? He gave up everything. His father wanted him to be a lawyer. His father was working class, and he had worked hard, and he wanted his children to have a better life. And Luther had a conversion, from re not because of the priest. He had a conversion because as a monk, he was given the Bible to read, and it changed his life. And when he went to visit the city of God on earth, 
which is what the Vatican was called, he saw the most gross scandal. He saw people having mass and the priest messing up or dropping something and swearing and cursing. Now this is when they thought that the grape juice was literally the blood of God's son. And here's the guy giving mass and he's cussing and swearing and there was harlotry. It was a total shock to Luther. And thus he made mention that if there's a hell, Rome's built above it. Okay? And uh, have, they re have they redone their image? I think they've done a lot to try to rebuild their image, but the truth is still the same. This could be referred to, I think of it as a portal for demons, has issued out of there. And uh, I'm sorry, um, I should, maybe I should be more mild, but um, why, why be mild, right? Why, why, what are we doing anyways, right? And, and listen to me. Don't ever hate error or the people that are in error. Do you understand? Don't ever think you're better than anyone either. That's exactly what the Pharisees did. I'm not better than anybody. In fact, if I was in their shoes, who knows? Who knows? So, you know, let's tread lightly. What is the result of these teachings? First Timothy, we'll see. What is the result? The Bible actually says, I think we already read it. Whoops. The result of these teachings is that your conscience, I've told this to the kids, your conscience gets seared. Now your conscience tells you right and what? Wrong. Wrong. But if you're in a religious teaching or system, whether it's Protestant or Catholic or Greek Orthodox, if it isn't teaching truth and it isn't talking about doing what's right and having deliverance over sin, what happens if sinning and the answer to sinning is going to mass or what happens if you're given the teaching that once you're saved you're forever saved and there's nothing to think about anymore in your relationship to God what happens what happens to your conscience you start to damage your conscience and these teachings end up ruining people they end up ruining people and so Paul warns us and Paul gives mention of that when you sear something, now hopefully, maybe you sear your, uh, what, tofu, right? <laughs> you sear your asparagus, right? What happens to the material that actually gets seared? It's never the same. It's permanently altered, and it's virtually irreversible. And so that's the warning he's, say, he's giving us. And um, what did Luther say when he got called into court because he was, get basically killed he said he had this great chamber of both state authorities and religious authorities right in front of him and he had to give an answer and he says basically my conscience it's neither right nor safe to go against what conscience here I stand God help me what is the devil wanting to do to our conscience? Sear it out. And that's why you see people today, like they are, taking guns and going into, like, you can't even, <laughs> think years ago, I grew up in the 90s. I think the first one that really hit was Columbine. And we were, 
you know, the doors were blown off the barn when that happened. Wow. Wow. I, I shudder to think how many of these episodes have happened since. People's consciences are getting ruined. It's, it's not, we're not in a good place, all right? Luther made exact, what is he holding, by the way? Is he holding the monstrance with the solar wafer and the solar thing on the solar day, right? No, he's holding the Bible. What a breakthrough. I read the Bible, whoa. Teaches me that this world didn't happen accidentally, that it was authored and created. All right, we got to finish. That food's probably gotten cold. I'm, I'm in trouble. What must we have so that we can avoid making shipwreck? Look at this. How do you avoid making shipwreck towards your, uh, on your journey towards heaven? First Timothy, we got to avoid making shipwreck. You don't want to. You don't want to crash against the rocks. <clears throat> This I commit to you, Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith. What's the opposite of faith? Doubt. We learned about how James says, you got doubt, you're going to be all over the place. And you know the people who have faith, because when you have trouble, you get on the phone with them and you ask them to do what for you? Yeah, right. What, would we all be that way? Amen? We need to, we need to gird up the loins of mind and get into the get into the fight fight the good fight he says having faith and what a good conscience now watch this the devil wants to destroy your conscience he wants to he wants to put all kinds of weird stuff into your minds stuff that will like literally rot your mind there's stuff that people got on the internet that you can get into it will rot your mind and God help young people because they're exposed through the internet to all kinds of weird stuff. You can watch people die. They got videos of people, real people dying, all kinds of weird stuff. And you, get, you can soil your minds. People will laugh at stuff you shouldn't even laugh at. You understand what I'm talking about? All right. <laughs> so he says you got to have faith and a good conscience which some have rejected concerning the faith have done what? Suffered shipwreck. Hear me. You got to have conscience and you got to have faith. Of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan that they may learn not to do what? And you know what? The church that our four spiritual forefathers came out of recognized that it was a church filled with sacrilegious, blasphemous positions and teachings. In fact, Revelation and Daniel talk about the beast of Rome as having seven heads and filled with the names of blasphemy on them. It's sac if, listen, if I go down to Boston, Boston Road down in Springfield and I enter the Catholic Church there, I can go and I can get where I can make confession to the priest in a little side chamber and get some recommended uh, penance that I should do for my sins, and I can get absolution for my sins given to me via Joe Smith. Does anyone see a problem with that? There, there is a real, real problem, especially when they say we hold the gates, we hold the keys to the gates of heaven. What, what are they saying? 
They're saying, go, if you don't come in here and get it from us, you go to hell. That we hold the keys. So, not popular. It's been repackaged, but you got to have faith and a good conscience. Really important. And like I told the kid, the kids today, when you're at sea, you've got to have a good compass. You've got to have a map. Your compass is your conscience. Don't ever, ever ignore your conscience. That still small voice. Some of us need to grow our conscience. Like, oh my goodness, what am I watching on TV? What am I doing here? And, and have more conscience, not less. And some of us need, certainly need to grow our faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The map for those on this journey. The map is the Bible. And you ought to be able to navigate. You ought to be able to know where you're at, where, what the Bible's talking about. Amen? Amen? So the Bible is your map. You have a conscience if you don't let it get seared. There's all the notes there. Listen, I don't want to end up. I don't want to end up at the bottom in oblivion, lost. When these ships go down, you can go down there and visit them. But I'm going to tell you, there's going to be, there's, an, there's a day and an hour which God's going to judge our works by Jesus Christ. And those who are righteous will be found righteous. But God's no fool. Those who are unrighteous and wicked will be found wicked. And when we cross that line, there's no going back. You aren't even going to be able to go down there <laughs> and visit me if I get, end up in that way. And I don't want to be down there either. Amen? How many of you want to make it to the kingdom? Praise God. I want to be there too.